sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. When a breastfeeding mother is faced with a dilemma of not producing enough milk for her baby, she has to evaluate her options for supplementation. What options are out there, and what are the pros and cons for using each of these supplements? Today I'm thrilled to introduce Amber McCann, a private practice, international board certified lactation consultant in Maryland, and owner of Nourish Breastfeeding Support. Today we are discussing supplementing options for a mother with a low milk supply. This is The Boob Group, episode 37. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At the Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Did you know that we have an entire panel of experts who would love to answer your breastfeeding and parenting questions? All you have to do is call our hotline at 619 866 4775 and leave a message on our voicemail. Your question will then be answered on an upcoming episode. Today I'm joined by four lovely panelists in the studio. Uh, Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? We'll start with you, Christine. I'm Christine Schubert and I am a RN and an IBCLC. I have three children ages six, four, and five months. My name's Laura Delatore. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom to my first son, Theodore, who is three months old. I'm Regula Schmid. I'm a stay-at-home mom on leave from a principalship, and I'm at home with twins, Bryani and Florian, who are seven months old, and Vivian, who is three. I'm Elizabeth Vasimio. I am 32, and I am a part-time student uh, getting my master's in oriental medicine. I have one child, and he is nine months today. Happy birthday to him. <laughs> and we have um, Florian and Bayani in the studio today. So if you happen to hear any little squeaks or beautiful noises, um, they are here just hanging out and nursing as we speak. <laughs> Sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. 
Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Before we get started with today's topic, here's a question you all had for one of our experts. Hey, Boob Group. This is Denise calling from Talmadge, Ohio. And I wanted to thank you so much for your recent episode on pumping. And I know that I do, and I know a lot of other moms out there have questions about this um, concept of like pumping when you go back to work. And it seems like there are lots of different opinions. So I wanted to ask about storage. While I'm at work, I usually pump a few times and then I go down the hall, store my milk in the fridge for the rest of the day. But if I can't go straight home after work, I leave that in my car sometimes, unrefrigerated, and I do plan to put it back in the fridge once I get home, but how long can that milk stay unrefrigerated before I'm able to get home? Thanks a lot. Hi, Denise. This is Donna Rose Feinberg, an IBCLC in the Seattle area. It's great that you're pumping at work. The guidelines for safe storage of pumped milk vary depending on the source, so it's easy to get confused. Pumped milk is generally considered to be safe at room temperature for anywhere from four to eight hours, depending on the source. Milk in the fridge is considered safe for three to seven days. It's fine to gather the milk from more than one pumping session and then store that milk in the fridge until the end of the day. At that point, it would be great if you could transfer the pumped milk to a small ice chest or insulated bag with an ice pack. The cooler will help maintain the milk during your trip home, even if you have to stop to run errands or even go out to dinner. Many quality pump kits come with some sort of cooler, but you can use anything from a small, well-insulated lunch bag to a hard-sided cooler you keep in your car, depending on how long you think the milk will need to maintain its temperature. Just stick an ice pack in the freezer at work in the morning and bring it with the milk when you leave. You and your milk will stay cool. Keep up the great pumping. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing supplementation options for a mother with a low milk supply. Our expert, Amber McCann, is a private practice, international board certified lactation consultant in Maryland, and owner of Nourish Breastfeeding Support. She is also the co-editor of the Lactation Matters blog, social media coordinator for Gold Conferences International, and a regular contributor to The Boob Group and a very dear friend of mine. So Amber, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, Amber, what options does a mother have if she is faced with the need to supplement when she is exclusively breastfeeding? And, and how would you rank these in order of quality for the baby? That is a really great question and one I hear from moms every single day. Often when we think about supplementing our babies, um, we think we only have one choice, and that is formula in a bottle. 
The reality is that mothers today have quite a number of choices for supplementation. The World Health Organization has a document that they call the Global Strategy for Infant and Young Child Feeding. In it, they suggest the following hierarchy of feeding options. First would obviously be milk directly from the mother's breast. If that's not possible for any number of reasons, the next best option is milk expressed from the baby's own mother's breast, either through a breast pump or through hand expression and then fed to the baby. After that, they say that milk from another mother, for example, a wet nurse or milk that has been donated in some manner, and then finally using some sort of breast milk substitute like formula. Now, obviously, each of these options has its advantages and different advantages to different families, but I think it's a really good place to start talking about what our options are. But I always maintain that women are uniquely equipped to determine for themselves what is the best choice for their baby and their family. So ladies, um, here in the panel, what can you tell us what type of supplementation that you use and how you decided on that for your baby? Um, Laura, do you mind if we start with you? Sure. I chose to use <clears throat> excuse me, donor breast milk. Um, and I found that through basically people that I knew, through people that I knew, friends of friends, and also through um, a face, a couple of Facebook pages, um, Eats on Feats, um, and also the regular just um, local breastfeeding support group um, for the area that I live in. Okay, thank you. How, how about you, Christine? Um, so we started out using uh, a little bit of milk from a good friend of mine also. Um, she became pregnant and supply dropped dramatically. And so we went straight to uh, um, pasteurized human milk from the milk bank. Okay. How about you, Elizabeth? Actually, a friend of ours um, wet nursed our baby f a little bit. And then uh, she donated some of her milk. And then we went to formula for a while until I found that there were more moms who were donating their extra milk, and he's basically exclusively on um, donor milk now. That's amazing. Um, how about you, Regula? We went with uh, Milk Bank milk at first with Vivian, and then later when we ran out of that, we bought a can of formula, which made me cry. Um, it made Vivian cry. She spit it up a lot and made her very constipated until we found some donor milk, and that went much better. Okay. Um, Amber, if a mom is choosing formula, how, how does she decide which one to buy? Great question. My go-to answer for this is always ask your doctor. <laughs> I am not a nutritionist. I am not a physician, nor am I well-trained in the nuances of formula composition, but I do know this that the brand of formula that you were likely given in the hospital as a sample might not be the best choice for your baby. Fortunately, this practice of marketing formula directly to all mothers in the hospital is diminishing through the hard work of some great organizations like Ban the Bags and the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. But what parents need to know is that if you're choosing to use formula, you need to connect with your baby's pediatrician as to what is the best option for your child, even if it's different than every other mother in the neighborhood. And it seems like every mother here, uh, Christine, did you say you use donor milk? Oh, you did, from a friend. So, you know, milk sharing is obviously a very popular topic. And so since milk is a bodily fluid, is it safe to offer someone else's milk to your baby? And what are the safety precautions one should look at? 
This is an issue that I'm really, really interested in. Women have been feeding their milk to other mothers' babies since the dawn of time. Um, we look at the biblical story of Moses, and Jochebed was hired by Pharaoh's daughter to feed Moses after finding him in the bulrushes. What the Pharaoh's daughter didn't know was that Jochebed was actually Moses' mother. Um, <laughs> but also in Islamic history and culture, the concept of milk kinship dates all the way back to Muhammad himself. Um, but the idea that instead of feeding someone else's baby directly at your breast that you would pump and then share that milk, it's a newer concept. And the popularity and prevalence of breast pumps have really allowed for this practice. There is, however, a really big difference between this idea that everybody's doing it and this is the best option for my baby. Um, milk sharing isn't without its risks, but neither is driving your vehicle or eating a walnut. It's important for those who would like to consider giving and receiving breast milk with another family to do so with eyes wide open and with an understanding that they must ask questions, be aware, and not practice it blindly. One of the best practices to limit the risk with milk sharing um, is really open and honest conversation with the, both the donor and the recipient about lifestyle choices. Um, for most women who are donating their milk to another family, they're also breastfeeding their own children at the same time, so I think we find some comfort in that. Um, when I counsel clients on milk sharing, I always encourage them to ask for copies of blood tests that the donating mother had um, during her pregnancy. I feel like this can give you a really good idea if there are any significant health concerns and whether the risk, though very small, of giving her milk to your baby is worth it to you. We do know that there are incredible health benefits for those babies who are fed breast milk over formula, and we want to balance these benefits against the risk of using another mother's milk. But no family can determine if it's worth it except for the family that's asking these questions about their own baby. Okay, so so you mentioned these benefits of using donated milk over an, um, another donated milk from another woman um, w over using formula. So, what are these benefits? I think the benefits are amazing. We know that breast milk is the biologically normal food for infants. Health experts all over the world agree that breast milk gives amazing things to the baby, including this really, like, rock star immunity. And it's uniquely designed to be broken down efficiently by the baby. It's perfectly designed for infants. Having the opportunity to still give all these benefits to a baby, even if you're not able to uh, fully breastfeed your baby your own milk yourself, it's so, so beneficial. I also love that milk sharing allows relationships to be formed for many donors and their recipients. I often hear stories from families who become dear friends after sharing milk, and I think it really contributes to this greater community. I don't, however, think it's the right option for every family. Many families, for a number of reasons, determine that using formula is a better choice for their family, and I support every parent's right and capacity to make the decisions that are right for them. And I think one of the main questions that I get um, as a lactation consultant is what diseases can be passed through the breast milk? Like what, if I was going to accept breast milk from another woman, what should I be most concerned about? It's true that there are a number of pathogens that can enter into human milk if a mother's infected. However, few of these diseases can actually be transmitted through the human milk itself. There are three biggies to be concerned with. One is called HTLV, 
HIV, which kind of strikes fear in the hearts of everyone, and one called CMV. Now, CMV is typically only a challenge for premature infants. And honestly, I would never advocate direct milk sharing for really critically ill babies. Um, neither HIV nor HTLV are transmitted easily. Um, they would both show up on any prenatal blood work that a mother had, and she should be aware of her status. Of course, we don't live in a perfect world where everyone's fully aware of their own health, and of course, infection could happen after the prenatal testing. But fortunately, HTLV can be deactivated by freezing milk, and I think a lot of mothers who receive milk directly from another mother are getting it already frozen. And HIV can be deactivated through flash heating. Um, treating any milk you receive for your baby by freezing and flash heating can really uh, further limit the risk um, to the baby. I will admit all of these diseases sound really crazy scary, and while I believe the risk is really, really low for a healthy infant to receive another mother's well-screened milk, I believe more that each family has to determine for themselves what they feel comfortable with. Okay, and so if moms were looking for donated milk and they did not have a friend who could donate it to them directly, um, where can they find someone to donate milk for her baby? I have been so fortunate to be involved in some really amazing milk sharing uh, stories. I once worked with a woman who had a four-year-old daughter who um, had a disease that really impacted her daughter's ability to process nutrition, and she was four years old and she couldn't gain weight, and they decided that they wanted to add some breast milk to her diet, so they contacted me, and I was able to reach out to to some people, and we end up getting her connected with a donor mother who happened to live four houses down the street. <laughs> no <her>. way. <laughs> um, so it was amazing how this relationship blossomed, and this little girl thrived on the breast milk, but in addition to that, they built a really lovely friendship. Um, I think those kind of opportunities are out there. And even some of your panelists said, you know, a friend of a friend or I knew someone. I think the best way to get donor milk is to ask, do you know anyone in your social groups who's breastfeeding a baby? Would they be willing to share? I believe with all my heart there's more than enough breast milk in the world for all the world's babies mm -hmm. if everyone who could share did so. So you could ask at your house of worship, your play groups, your mothering groups, among your friends, friends of friends. So many women are willing to donate if they know that there's a need. Um, in addition, there are several opportunities for connecting with families that have milk to share on the Internet. Um, people get a little freaky about, oh my goodness, I met this woman on the internet. Like we're <laughs> meeting in a dark alley somewhere and handing <laughs> off the breast milk. Most of that, um, the relationships I know that is certainly not what is happening. But these um, websites and Facebook pages really provide a place for families to connect those that have extra milk and those that have a need. Um, those pages don't, though, broker the exchanges. They're only a place to connect. Um, my favorite of all of those is an organization called Human Milk for Human Babies. They maintain a Facebook page for each state in the U.S. and also in quite a number of different countries. Okay, thank you so much. So ladies, um, for those of you who did use donor milk, um, one, were you nervous at all about using someone else's milk? And if you didn't find it through a friend of a friend, how did you find it? Um, Elizabeth, do you mind if we start with you? Sure. Um, I was petrified, and the first time I gave the baby the milk, um, 
yeah, I was really scared, and I was op- and I, I kind of had a conversation with myself of like, this could make him sick. Like, I, c- I could be harming him, and I'm, and I thought about, I really don't want to vaccinate him, and so I need to be breast. I need he needs to get breast milk. What are my options? And I, I just decided that I was making the decision with open eyes, and I did my best to ask questions about you know where the milk came from and um, the the mother's health, and and then just went on faith that it was going to be okay. Um, and that, that mama gave me like 900 ounces. Oh my goodness. That was, that was the beginning. <laughs> that was the beginning. And from there, I just, um, decided to trust, like, I don't know, the, the, <laughs> the motherhood, being, yeah. yeah, the mother, the universal motherhood <laughs> exactly. feeling like that, like what Amber said about there being enough breast milk for all the babies in the world and really wanting to give my baby the best that I could. And, um, I have used the donation sites and also like what Laura mentioned, the Breastfeeding San Diego. There are amazingly generous mamas in San Diego. It's been very humbling. It's been just a huge, huge blessing to have um, and to have the, the networking like where someone I don't even know is like, I have a friend. I hear that you need breast milk. You know, I have a friend of a friend and they have a freezer full. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Wonderful. It's just come out in all different areas that I've been getting um, offers. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who aren't in San Diego, we, we have this Facebook page here in San Diego called Breastfeeding San Diego, and it's a closed group. And it's where I see every single day women sharing advice, sharing stories, asking for help, and quite often mentioning that either they have extra breast milk or they don't have as much as they need. And just coming out of the woodwork, like you said, they'll just ping someone. And next thing you know, we're, we're connecting women all over the city. So um, I'm sorry if you don't live in San Diego, but that doesn't mean that maybe your city doesn't have something similar, which is really, really cool. Um, Regula, let me um, hand the microphone over to you while you're nursing your kiddos. And um, do you mind talking about what your experience was with donor milk and were you nervous using it? I was um, very nervous the very first time I used donor milk because um, I didn't know the person that well, although I did ask her for all of her lab results during pregnancy. But like Amber was saying, somebody could get infected after those labs were taken. But then I got a lot of donor milk through a local midwife who had known the people for a long time, the women for a long time, and had seen all of their labs over years. So that made me feel much more comfortable. That's another really good point to bring up too. You never know if your healthcare provider, especially if you're working with midwives, um, they see lots of moms and they see them postpartum as well for, you know, they still maintain this connection. So that's a great point. Um, Laura, how about you? Well, I feel like I'm in the minority because I honestly nev- like had no concerns using it. I, we had to start using it day two of his life. And I, the person who had donated the milk, it was through also my midwife. And so she knew the person very well and had known her and, and trusted her. And I trusted my midwife and my son needed the milk. So and I don't remember having any concerns. That's great. How, how about you, Christine? Yeah, I was concerned. Um, so using a very good friend's milk made me feel a lot better. We also, um, we've known the couple for a long time, and I, I've always felt like if you know the husband really well, too, you should be pretty <laughs> safe. So, um, yeah, and then with the, the don't, we switched pretty quickly to the, the from the milk bank, and f- I felt very comfortable with that, but... And we'll be talking about milk banks in actually just a few minutes because that's a really interesting concept of 
using milk that's been pasteurized as well. So, um, Amber, before we take our break, would you say that there are any issues that a mother should be concerned about when accepting donated breast milk for her baby? I think you've heard me say this again and again, but the question of, is this the right choice for my baby and my family? Um, I think each family has to examine their own thoughts and concerns, ask every single question that's on their minds and hearts, and only step into this kind of relationship with a donating family when you feel really confident in that decision. Okay, well, thank you. When we come back, Amber will discuss home pasteurization and the option for purchasing breast milk from a milk bank. So we'll be right back. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with Amber McCann talking about um, a mother's choice for supplementation when she has um, a need for additional breast milk, most likely because of a low milk supply. So um, Amber, Diana West was on the show a few months ago talking about breastfeeding after breast reduction surgery, and she mentioned that mothers could actually pasteurize donated breast milk. And this was, I knew that they did this for milk banks, but I had no idea that you could do home pasteurization. And so I was curious, what do you think about this? And do you think this is a good option for someone who might be have those concerns about donor milk and this might make them feel more comfortable? Well, I totally think Diana West is brilliant. <laughs> and uh, so I'm thrilled that she mentioned that option. Um, I totally agree with her that for some moms, though not all, home pasteurization of donated milk is exactly the right choice. And we don't have time in this format to get into a super technical, in-depth conversation about all the different ways that milk can be pasteurized, so we're just going to focus on what we call flash heating. And HIV is the main concern for most people who are going to choose to flash heat their milk, and it can be done really simply on the stove. Um, There's an excellent YouTube video. It's called Flash Heating Breast Milk Kills HIV, and it's by... (laughs) great name, right? Exactly. It's by um, the UC Berkeley School of Public Health. So we're not talking just um, some random people putting this video up. These are people who really have studied this. And um, the process involves making sure all of the utensils are clean, and then we pour the milk into a glass jar. This jar is placed in a pot with water, and then together the water and milk are heated very quickly until the water reaches a rolling boil. At that point, you remove the jar of milk and allow it to cool. It's a really low-tech method, and it's being used all over the world by HIV-positive mothers, and it can be a really effective method for mothers who are using milk sharing as well. That's so amazing. I mean, when she mentioned it, I was like, that just opened up, at least for me, um, thinking about how possible it could be to include that as a possibility for moms when they know that it, it removes that that extra stress of wondering what's, you know, what's being passed. Um, Absolutely. And, and additionally to that, what questions should a mother ask her possible milk donor um, before accepting her milk? Well, you know, I mentioned really having open and honest conversation about lifestyle is really the best way to limit your risk. And I would love if every mother considering accepting a donation of breast milk asked for a copy of the prenatal 
blood work from their donor. I just feel like that's a really good step for families. Um, some families also want to ask about additional lifestyle choices like smoking, alcohol, diet, caffeine, medication usage. There is a really excellent list of questions for donors on the website www.eatsonfeetsresources.org. It's www.eatsonfeets resources.org. They also include a list of questions that donors can ask their recipient families, like how will my milk be used and how long do you anticipate needing donor milk? Oh, that's really interesting too. So make sure that it's actually being used appropriately. I mean, I figure if you pump that much out, you want to make sure it's going to a good cause. So. Oh, we feel really possessive of our milk sometimes. We have worked really hard, and it's really valuable. And a lot of moms want to make sure that they know how their milk is being used. Absolutely. Um, ladies, did you find it was difficult at all to come by the donor milk that you ended up receiving? Or was it fairly easy? Laura, you're shaking your head. It was fairly easy? It was fairly easy. I just put the word out through everyone I knew and also my midwives and um, and then Eats on Feets and then the San Diego Facebook page. Okay. How about you, Elizabeth? It became easy, but in the beginning it was difficult and stressful. And it was like a full-time job, like driving an hour to get 20 ounces. Yeah. Yes, I would do that. I was literally driving all over the county for any amount for a period of time until I was able to get a kind of a comfortable amount and not drive an hour, hour and a half for (laughs) one or two feedings. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. How about you, Regula? I drove all over the county, too, and sometimes... It was hard because donors would think, oh, they have all this milk, and it would be, like you said, it would be 20 ounces that would last a day. Um, So it was difficult until I came across a donor who had the freezer full because she had pumped for her premature baby, and that pretty much lasted us until I was able to exclusively breastfeed. How about you, Christine? Um, well, because it, it was such a dear friend of mine, she actually would drive to my house and drop it off for the first few weeks and before we got the, the milk from the milk bank. So, yeah, it was very easy on us to stay home, and she brought it over. So oh, That's wonderful. Um, and that brings up a really good point. I'd like to talk a little bit about milk banks. And so, Amber, can you, for, you know, there are probably many of our listeners who have never even heard of a milk bank. So what is a milk bank and, and where can it be found or where can they be found? I have long said if there is one thing in the breastfeeding world that I would totally put on the cheerleading uniform and grab my pom-poms for, (laughs) it is milk banking. Like, I totally believe in it and think it's one of the most powerful things we have going for us. In the United States, we're fortunate to have a number of milk banks associated with an organization called the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. I mean, seriously, these milk banks save babies' lives every day. They receive donations from mothers. They process the milk through pasteurization, and they distribute it to really critically ill babies all over the country. Um, These banks have been in the news quite a bit lately, and they're desperately in need of donations. If you are a mother who has milk to donate, please, 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 please consider whether donating to a milk bank is the right option for your family. They primarily serve very, very sick babies who are in the NICU and who are taking tiny quantities of milk at each feeding. A little goes a really long way with these babies, and a donation can have a really significant impact. The babies who typically receive milk from the milk banks, though, are very different than the babies who typically receive milk through direct milk sharing like we've been talking about. But both of these methods of getting milk to babies is really important. 
um, while the vast majority of milk from Milk Bank goes directly to babies in the hospital, there is a small amount that can be available to healthy babies for a fee. This fee is typically a couple dollars an ounce, but that can add up really quickly when you consider the amount of milk that's required by a baby every day. It feels really expensive, but this fee is very reasonable when you consider the level of testing and processing that a milk bank um, has to do for the milk. Um, one of my very favorites, Neil Patrick Harris, <laughs> spoke about this while he was on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson a couple years ago. He and his partner had twins, and they were purchasing milk from a milk bank for their babies. Some parents also can receive milk from a milk bank with a prescription from their doctor, and that milk might actually be covered by insurance. But in keeping with the mission of the milk banks, babies who are in critical health are always going to be the highest priority for them. Okay. And is the milk purchased from a milk bank safer um, than milk from a donor? I really think safer is a bit relative. Safer for a baby who has health challenges, is premature, who has a life-threatening illness, Absolutely. Is it safer for a full-term, healthy, robust infant? Uh, maybe and maybe not. Milk banks have a process for testing and processing milk that eliminates things that could have a really negative impact on the health of a critical little one. And this is so, so, so important for those babies. But I liken it to this. If you had a dear friend who recently had an organ transplant, you would do everything in your power to visit them in as healthy a manner as possible. You would scrub your arms and your hands. You'd wear a mask. But if that same friend had just gone through a healthy event, like the birth of a baby, you'd probably just wash your hands. So I think different circumstances require different levels of caution. Okay. And for moms who are listening who do have an excess of milk and maybe don't have a friend that they would like to offer it to, um, and they, or they're just, they would love to deliver it um, to a milk bank for babies who are critically ill, um, how can they donate their milk? I think any mom who is able to produce more milk than her own babies require should at least consider whether donating to a nonprofit milk bank is the right choice for her. You can find more information about how to donate on the Human Milk Banking Association of North America's website. It's www.hmbana.org. That's www.hmbana.org. They require their donor mothers to be in good health, to not regularly be on most medications or herbal supplements, that the moms would be willing to undergo additional blood testing, which is at the expense of the milk bank, and would be willing to donate at least 100 ounces. If this sounds like you, I encourage you to reach out and be involved. Again, the website is www.hmbana.org. You can get more information there. Cool. And Amber, um can you share your favorite resources for helping a mother choose which supplement makes the most sense for her family? As a board-certified lactation consultant, my favorite resource for moms asking these questions is another board-certified lactation consultant. I think we really have our finger on the pulse of what the options are for supplementation. We can help you sort through all the questions, concerns, help you make a good decision for your family. In addition, weighing all your options by visiting the Human Milk for Human Babies Facebook pages and the Human Milk Banking Association for North America's website can be really valuable. And obviously, speaking with a breastfeeding-friendly pediatrician can also be really important. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, Amber, for your insight into supplementing options for a mother who has a low milk supply. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue at the end of this show as Amber will answer a few more questions on this topic. Um, For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before we end our show today, here's Lara Audello sharing tips on how to avoid societal booby traps. Hi, Boob Group listeners. I'm Lara Audello, a certified lactation educator the Retail Marketing Manager at Best for Babes and owner of Mama Care Designs. Today we're here to talk about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps. Let's discuss infant growth charts, which one your doctor is using. Mothers often look forward to seeing how well our babies are growing and receiving the milestones on a growth chart from the pediatrician. But what you may not have ever thought about is how do these growth charts develop the numbers that your baby is being measured against? About six years ago, the World Health Organization released growth charts which changed our understanding of how babies, breastfed and formula-fed, grow. Until recently, the growth charts used by pediatricians were based on a sample of formula-fed Caucasian babies born between 1929 and 1975 in Ohio who often started solid foods before four months. These charts were used around the world to chart babies' growth. In 2000, the CDC released a chart using a mixed sample of breastfed and formula-fed infants which demonstrated that breastfed and formula-fed infants have different growth patterns. Breastfed babies grow faster than formula-fed babies in the first few months, and then between 3 to 12 months, they lean out in comparison to their formula-fed counterparts. The new WHO charts use a sample of nearly 9,000 babies who were exclusively or nearly exclusively breastfed for the first six months. The WHO is clear that these charts are not intended to apply to just breastfed babies, they can serve as an important early warning to doctors that before a baby is experiencing excessive weight gain, a particular concern because these babies are at risk for being overweight and for obesity. Since 2010, these charts have been recommended by the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics. WIC will begin using them later this year. Do you know if your pediatrician uses these new growth charts? Don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes it can take a while for these changes and recommendations to take effect. But the more mothers that ask, the faster that change will occur. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IVCLC, for writing the Booby Trap series for Best for Babes. Visit bestforbabes.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals. And my business, mamaparadesigns.com, for breastfeeding supportive wearables. And be sure to listen to the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. Thank you so much to our experts, panelists, and all of our listeners. If you have any questions about today's show or the topic we discussed, call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear it. Simply visit our website at theboobgroup.com and send us an email through the contact link. 
Coming up next week, we have Veronica Tingzon on the show discussing how a baby's oral anatomy can affect breastfeeding. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, because mothers know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.